Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager here at BlackBaud and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 32 for October 6th, 2009. On today's show, we're going to put down the social media Kool-Aid and enjoy a tall, delicious email smoothie. Using email to reach out to and connect with your supporters is at the heart of every integrated campaign, so nurturing your list is still very important. We'll be discussing how tactics like email appending can really improve the health of your email list and a few other things as well. So before we hit send, let's meet today's panel. Coming back to us from Ruston, Virginia, we have Danielle Brigida. Welcome back, Danielle. Hi, Chad. Hi. I'm so glad you could join us today from your vacation. Oh, you're not in Ruston, Virginia. I know. You were in Topsail, North Carolina, right? Yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Good surfing there today? You know, I wouldn't wouldn't try it. It's a little rainy today. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I'm glad you could join us. Coming to us from upstairs here at BlackBod HQ is Steve McLaughlin, the Director of Internet Solutions here at BlackBod. Welcome, Steve. Hello, Chad. Ah, there he is. Lovely. Glad you could join us today. And joining us today for the first time, who I'm very excited about, is Jocelyn Harmon, the Director of Business Development at Triplex Interactive. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Hey, Chad. How are you? Great. Well, I really appreciate being on the show today. We are talking about email, and uh, you are an email append expert. So you and I were chatting, I think, a couple months ago. Got the idea to have you on the show. So just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about email today. Like I said in the intro, we often get on the topic of social media around here. And Steve and I have had some discussions in the past about how you know email and specifically newsletters and things like that are still a very valid channel to be using. So I thought we'd sort of get into that today. So I just want to start off the top of the show with talking just about email appending. That's what uh, Jocelyn, you're an expert in. And maybe you could tell our audience, what is email append? Sure. Great question. So Email append is simply the process of adding email addresses to your donor database or your member database. And the way we do it is we take an offline file and match it to our huge consumer email database. And then we invite folks to engage with you online. Nice. So this does this only work when it's sort of a company that's offering a service, right? This isn't something that uh, we can just go out and do ourselves. We can't look up you know names in the internet phone book, correct? Right. Um, to comply with Pan law, you have to already have um, a list right. of folks maybe that you have postal addresses for and that you have a relationship with. And then you'd have to work with a third-party provider um, to do the actual matching. Okay. Um, and you'd have to work with a third-party provider who has opt-in email addresses okay. and also who can help you deploy your message. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. If someone's looking to do this, how do they know that the provider they're looking at is legit and not sort of doing this in a, in a legal manner? That's a really good question. Um, with some of the vendors we work with, um, they have a specific list of approved vendors. And I know, um, Blackboard, you guys do this as well. You have make suggestions to the nonprofits you work with in terms of the vendors. But it's just a something you should definitely double check, kind of look into the reputation of the vendor you choose. Interesting. Are nonprofits using this service a lot? Is this something that's new or is this uh, something that's been going on for a long time? Email pending has been around for, I would say, a couple years, but it's really taken off in the nonprofit sector in the past couple of years in particular. I think, to be honest, people were a little skittish um, at first about appending email addresses to their files. Um, they weren't sure um, if that conflicted with permission-based marketing. Right. But 
with the sort of confluence of the recession that we're in, and we know direct mail and postage becoming more and more expensive, and also people becoming more comfortable with the tactics, um, we're seeing a lot of uh, folks getting more volume on their file and using email pen to do it. It's a really, it's not the end all be all, but it's a good tactic to build your file. Right. That's very cool. Now, is there any data when we look at, let's say you, you append someone's list and get them a bunch more email addresses. Do we have any idea, any sense of how these email addresses perform when they're used in a campaign? When we're looking at higher open rates or more click-throughs, or does this sort of just dovetail in with the rest of the data? This is a really interesting question. One of the projects we've been working on lately for uh, Sierra Clubs, one of our clients, has been to append email addresses to their lapse donors. And they have seen great results with that, both in cost savings in terms of mailing, right. but also kind of dovetailing with the research you guys did with the donor-centric internet giving analysis okay. um, by Target Analytics. You know, they're just seeing that reactivation, they had a lift in reactivation when they're emailing as well as mailing donors. So obviously, uh, you know, Blackbutt has been working with Triplex for a while as a, one of the, the vendors that we work with to provide data and, and services to our customers. And we've been crunching through a bunch of data. And so far in 2009, we've worked with about a little over 300 nonprofit organizations to use this kind of a data service. So it's something we've been using at Blackbutt for quite a while. And, and even this year, about 300 customers, we've done this type of service. We've looked at something like a little over 4.6 million records that we've actually run through this kind of a service. So it, it continues to be a, a, gr a good way both strategically for customers to improve their lists, but also it, it definitely shows the value of why do I want that CRM data and why is that a great starting point as opposed to a lot of the other organic list growth techniques. This is sort of supercharged list growth is an, as a way to do things. Right. Do we have sort of a sense of how many records are typically in a database that don't have emails associated with them? I mean, do we know? Oh, you would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a shot in the dark, and I could be wrong, but I believe I heard something along the lines that NWF has only 15% of our people have email addresses. 15? Yes. Whoa. Huh. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. I could be wrong. I really could. But I remember hearing that and being like, what? Yeah, that shocks me. Interesting. I mean, you, have to remember, you have to remember that, uh, that people have been building their house files for years and years. So some of the major orgs that, you know, we all deal with have millions and millions of people on their donor files. Right. And they have a very, many of them have a small proportion of email addresses for those folks because it's been just the past, you know, six, seven years or so that people have really been getting serious about collecting email addresses. Particularly if over time your primary channel has been direct mail, direct mm -hmm. marketing, or major gift sort of focus, it's not surprising that you'd have a lower percentage of email addresses because those programs don't typically have collecting email addresses as a high motivator versus if you looked at online peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, you looked at orgs that do more annual fund work where there's a heavy online component. So it, it, it's an organizational strategy that typically has driven that result. And, and as Jocelyn and, and Daniel said, most orgs are now waking up to, wow, we need to, yeah. we really need to focus on this. Right. What's the typical pickup as far, you know, percentage-wise, Jocelyn? You know, are you able to get, you know, 30% uh, more email addresses? Is it 50%? That's a great question. Our match rate is what we call it. Okay. Um, it's dependent on two factors. One is whether or not we do individual level matching, which may be getting too into the weeds, but it's kind of maybe interesting for your listeners. 
And that means that we would match on John Smith at ABC Main Street, find an email address for John Smith. Okay. Uh, but we can also make sense for the charity do household level matching, and then we see a higher match rate. But we're looking at match rates between anywhere between 10 and 20% usually. Okay. Wow. That's pretty significant. Yeah, it could, it could yeah, definitely be all get, over the place. Yeah. It's the best practice to work with a respectable database, you know, data compiler. Right. <laughs> Because what you don't want to do, obviously, is come across people who've been scraping data off the web and give email addresses to you. And then the other really important part of the process, um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about it, is not just the matching of the names, but also creating what we call a welcome email. Okay. And that's an email that is branded um, to look like the organization and sent as an opt-out. That's how we do it. Oh, okay. Um, and that comes from you? And that, right, and that yeah. goes over our servers, which is really important and, and is the best practice in the industry because you don't want, because some of those will bounce and you don't want that on your record. Right. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of sticky sticky laws that you have to kind of move around to even do this, right? You do. You have to format the email in a very specific way, way in order to be CAN-SAM compliant. Right. Wow, very cool. You shouldn't try it on your own, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start doing it as a hobby. That's good, good stuff. <laughs> The other thing that we know, in addition to, you know, helping nonprofits get more coverage on their file, right, so they can stay in um, communication with their uh, members or donors or advocates online, it's also really important to get those bounced addresses off your file. I'm sure you guys are big on this. And we, you know, so we know, like, from the e-nonprofit benchmark study through N10 and MNR, that about 20% of email addresses are going bad each year, too. Oh, right. So at the same time that we're doing an email append, we can also take bounces. We can go and see if we can find a new deliverable email address for folks, because it's a lot easier, obviously, to keep a current donor than to find a new one. Mm-hmm. Now that makes a lot of sense. Now, are you allowed to divulge how large your database is? Sure. Triplet is a division of InfoUSA, okay. a huge database compiler, and we have about 120 million e- often email addresses on our email file, Okay. and 10 million coming off and going on every month. Gotcha. And is it international, or is it just U.S.? U.S., and I believe we have some U.K. Okay. Now, let's say someone isn't going to look at email append. How are some other ways to, to grow your email list? Like I said at the beginning of the show, we, um, Steve and I have talked about how um, you know using the email channel is still very, very important, and we often get the new shiny object of social media. What's another good way to like build your list? Well, one of the ways I think you, you've got to do this is make acquiring the email address part of the culture of the organization. Just like years ago, getting an address and getting a phone number were very, very valuable. You've got to add email or substitute email in that mix you know so it it goes down to when people answer the phone at the organization and they're doing the simple task of Mm -hmm. hey let me check to make sure i've got your address right it's hey let me make sure i've got your email address correctly those types of things so it's making that a part of the culture of the organization and then driving the communication that way I assume you could put that on everything you have anybody fill out, right? A membership form, a survey, a uh, you know calling campaign. Just make sure you collect it, right? People have done some pretty creative things too with Google AdWords campaigns. Yeah, you mentioned um, that when, when we talked. How, how can you acquire email addresses through Google AdWords? So um, one of the campaigns I liked a lot was Covenant and House ran a quote of the day Google AdWords campaign, and so you know lots of people have like to read quotes of the day. And they would come up, and they acquired a lot of email addresses by people clicking through. Um, Interesting. That Google AdWords. Yeah, pretty clever. 
know, I guess it works better if you are doing advocacy or, you know, you have a, a petition signing going on. Yeah. Um, but Google AdWords can be a powerful way to drive traffic. So you're basically bidding on a, some keywords that are very common or popular, right? Like you said, quote of the day. Exactly. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's clever. Newsletters, I know, are a great way to obviously get people entrenched into your stuff. Um, what about donate now buttons? I guess that's just a you know quick way to gather a, a gift and some information, right? Right, but to do it right, you should really ask people if they also want to sign up for your e-news. Right. I think one one of the biggest problems that our organization has is that they don't necessarily trust our database. That lists are safe there, and you know, so we have a ton of people on the ground collecting information for us, but they won't put it in the database. Okay. Um, <laughs> And so I think, you know, having people on the ground is, is definitely a really effective way, but you've got to get them to some point where they they trust it. So what do you mean? Like they won't put it in there because they think it's going to get lost or corrupted? No, or? because they think our membership will email them. Oh, so it's sort of groups within your organization protect, right, protecting yeah. their own email lists. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, having some kind of knowledge that, you know, the names you, you kind of produce are safe because... You know, I have a lot of personal contacts that I wouldn't add in, right. you know, without even, even like, let's say if you signed up for Ranger Rick, I would probably put do not email for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, I mean, I know a lot of the time there's not a lot of trust there. So. Gotcha. No, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So are you talking, Danielle, about just getting um, better organizationally at having like preference pages so that you know that people are really opted into the communications they want to receive. Right. I mean, I think one of the things that NWS needs to do better is to make it really available for people to to determine their own preferences. And that's something that is kind of hard. Like now it's just you, you unsubscribe. That's basically all you do. And there is a video option to do more, but it's hard to find. And, and I think the other portion of it is just internally we need to communicate to our field staff more effectively that your data will be safe, safe, we won't, you know, do whatever to it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of part of the other part of my job is I'm like trying to get people to trust the database, or at least that was my job before I was doing a lot of social media, <laughs> getting our regional representatives to put their contacts in Razor's Edge. No, I mean, that's we definitely going to be a problem everywhere when you have, you know, the left hand emailing people and the right hand doing the same thing kind of knowing which communication is going to which people. I know we, we struggle with that here at BlackBot as well. So um, Yeah. I just know we have more email addresses than are in our database right now. <laughs> and that's scary yeah. a little bit. Danielle, are you guys using um, your social media efforts to drive more, to get more, acquire more email addresses? How's that, how's that working? Are you trying to convert people into online subscribers? Um, in, in a lot of ways, yes. One of the things, though, for me is I'm not sure... It kind of goes both ways. We, we get some people who are already on our email list, and I find them because they're mentioning something we sent them, or I'll reach out to people and ask them to sign things, sign up for our list. So um, I see it kind of working both ways, but it's not, you know, a lot of the, the conversations I'm having online with people aren't geared towards pushing them towards email because I'm not really sure the return we're looking, you know what I mean? Like, especially with just the way our data is kind of messy right now, you know, we... We need to figure out how to how to communicate it, and I'm not sure that email is the be-all, end-all for us, <laughs> which yeah. I guess, you know. But I'm definitely always up for it, and I always, 
you know, we'll sign people up and promote things that collect their email addresses. So. Well, let's talk a little bit more about social media since uh, that's sort of your focus at NWF. And I know Jocelyn and I in our prep work had talked about social media pending. And I know I'd had some conversations a couple years ago with uh, one of our colleagues, Molly Maple, about this, just about how powerful that would be to have everybody's Twitter feed and Facebook feed and, and anything else they have going on, you know, in with your data and your database and to be able to build dashboards off those feeds and, you know, to really be able to get to know them in a different way. Jocelyn, you mentioned social media pending. Are you guys starting to move into that space a little bit? And how does that work? We are. Yeah. We are. And it's, um, again, a relatively straightforward process. We have a partnership with um, another vendor and we have to start with an email address. So getting those email addresses first, but then we we actually cover thirty different social networking sites. Okay. Um, but you know, and so what we can do is basically flag the file, if you will, um, and let you know where Chad Norman is online. He's on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. Um, but also really interesting, we can act. We can aggregate friends across social networks, oh, so cool. we can help nonprofits figure out maybe who some of their key influencers are. And then finally, as you know, people put lots of information sometimes on their profiles. So there's um, kind of a, a lot of rich demographic information that can come down with that, too. The only challenge there is that sometimes it's not all accurate. Right. Now, how does that so, work with Facebook? Because it's, uh, you know, I've always kind of wondered that because it's easy to scrape everything but Facebook. I mean, because it's because of the private nature of it. You know what I mean? Right. You, what kind of information can you get out of Facebook if, if you know, the organization isn't a friend of, of, you know, it doesn't have a relationship with that person? Right. Uh, we can obviously only search public profiles. And I'll be honest with you, my, my technical, I'm sort of not the text person in terms of understanding exactly how it happens. But my understanding is it's no more than what you would basically have an intern do if you had them sit down and sort of go through your database and try to figure out where everybody was online. It's just that it happens a lot faster. Okay. <laughs> right. If you let us automate the process. Steve, were you going to say something a second ago? It's just, it is important to sort of think about how, just like with address validation, email appends, social media data, we're now entering, you know, that's going to become more prevalent in the next, you know, several several years. And it's starting now. And this is typically what happens with any new technology. Once people make heads or tails and you get a whole lot of people using it, pretty soon people who are using it on a more sophisticated level need data. They need you know, data services against it. They want to run reports. They want to look for trends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where it's going. Um, right. You know, once you get to any amount of volume. Well, I like the idea because so much of what's happening now with, with social media is that it's becoming sort of the engine that runs sort of the recommendation system that we're all sort of purchasing products based on, right? I forget, you know, the stats are always crazy. Like, you know, 80% of all purchases are based off a of recommendation, not marketing. And, you know, everybody trusts recommendations more. So I can see that, especially Jocelyn, what you talked about, being able to know who's friends with these particular people, like friends of friends, and be able to develop that network and sort of graph graph what's going on, I think would be really important going forward to be able to like know who to recommend stuff to, know who's connected with each other and uh, be able to use that creatively. Sure. And so like four profits are, are figuring this out as we speak. And, you know, so for example, Chili's restaurant really wants to know who's on Applebee's fan page. I'm just making this up here. Right. Um, so that they can drop coupons to Applebee's since they're always in the same, you know, brick and mortar yeah. geographic location. So it's really interesting. I think one of the plays, and we haven't experimented with this yet, but I hope we do, in particular for this data and, and you know, social graphing or, or is almost that it will become a type of screening data. 
for mm-hmm. major guests. And that's why I was kind of talking to you about that the other day, Chad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like what, um, because I think if, if I'm an officer at a university, major gifts officer, and I have a hundred prospects that I need to go ask for six-figure gifts, of course I'm going to want to have as much information as possible on these folks. And I would love to know all that I can about their social Right. That just that sounds so interesting to me. I mean, I've always thought that really the only way to measure ROI is to know how often a person or have a place for, you know, their Twitter handle and how often they've tweeted you in in the database and also how often they visit your website and you know how how devoted are they to you and how can you really collect that information? So it's really great to hear that that's that's going to happen. I mean, Part of our thing is that not a lot of we don't have a lot of email addresses. So would it be possible to search on address and social media, or is that too or zip code or I don't know? I guess it would have to be address. Yeah, we need email addresses right now. But I'm with you. I think this. I think we we don't even know really what we're sitting on here with this this idea of creating a social graph. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, Microsoft and you know, everybody's hiring, it's interesting, sociologists and anthropologists, mm-hmm. right? Because they're trying to figure out how to map relationships and do friends, influence friends, and, and if so, how. And it, it's a really interesting new um, methodology if you think about it, because what we've always been trying to do is we've been trying to find like consumers, and we've done that through demographics or psychographic appending, but now it's almost like with a social graph, you don't. You almost don't need that because I can already see who Steve or Danielle or Chad are friends with. Yeah, it'd be cool if it could I develop mean, into like a- develop into like a metric, like the Q rating for like celebrities. You know what I mean? Like you can almost know like, oh well, this person is, <laughs> is this kind of advocate, and this person, you know, and you can get a rating, like a metric for each person, a number that just says like how much they will advocate for you. Steve, are you getting this? Are you writing this down? Is this going to be in the next launch plan <laughs> for Necro? I'm writing this fast and furiously, but it's it's an interesting point you make, which is. The whole, it, this isn't a technology thing. This is a sociology yeah. thing. And that's like with all this stuff, you know, yeah. once uh, it's the clay shirky, once things get technologically boring, they get socially interesting. I think a lot of the cool mm-hmm. stuff that's being done now isn't being done by your typical computer technical person. That's where it starts. But then once it gets more mainstream, then it gets really interesting where you're going to take it, right? Right. Well, we do need to wrap it up. I'm sure we could keep talking, but you guys only have seven minutes. So, Jocelyn, do you have anything you'd like to uh, tell our listeners about? Anything going on? Oh. This is the time, sure. to, pl- this is, this is the time to plug something. Shameless plug. Shameless plugs. <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. Well, I hope if people are interested in this service or interested in learning more, they'll check out our website, which is emailforimpact.com, and you spell out for, F-O-R. Okay. Um, and then I also write a blog, Chad. Um, you may not know that. It's I called do. Marketing for Nonprofits, where I sort of muse on, um, in particular, how nonprofits can leverage the Internet to add their voice to the global conversation we're happening yes. so i hope people will check it out i love it it is good i've retweeted several of your posts in the past um and uh I really appreciate you being on the show today. It was some really cool stuff. I'd love to have you back on. Definitely check out Jocelyn at uh, twitter.com slash Jocelyn Harmon. And her name is spelled J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-H-A-R-M-O-N. Just in case. Again, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Danielle, do you have anything going on at NWF that you'd like to let us know about? I, I have things going on at the beach. Oh, that's right. That awesome. No. I forgot. That's so um, nice of you to come in on your vacation. You're dedica- oh, dedicated on. podcaster. I love it. <laughs> it's fun. Come on. Yeah, um, it is fun. And plus, this is something I, I really want to learn more about. So I love me some data. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
in terms of NWF, um, we have Where the Wild Things, the movie, is oh, coming yeah, out right. October 16th. Um, and we're doing a wild rumpus day, I think, the day before. Okay. So, anyway, check out, um, it's actually nwf.org slash be out there. Right. It's our new campaign. And um, other than that, you know, go outside, people. Go outside. I know. I, I think about you all the time. Like I always tell you, Jen and the kids and I are outside junkies. We have a hard time coming inside. And uh, I, I was literally, I was, we went surfing last Saturday. I was in the water for two and a half straight hours and did not get out. Just uh, floating around on my back. We only have one surfboard, so I spent a lot of time just floating. Um, and uh, it was wonderful. So. I mean, that that can I count that towards my return on investment? Yes. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with me whatsoever and you would be doing it anyway. Can I you never like know. You, you inspire us all in, in many ways. So. love having you on the show thanks for coming back please uh, check out Danielle's good work at nwf.org or find her at twitter.com slash starfocus Steve Mack what's going on anything to plug Gonna be uh, two things to plug so next week October 12th and 13th the Blackbot has its relationship management conference in London so looking forward to that and November 15th 16th 17th and 18th the Blackbot Conference for nonprofits here in sunny Charleston. Yeah. So it should be exciting. Can't wait. Also, you guys, uh, we just, I think, put it on the website today. It's uh, called Blackbot's Internet Afternoon, which is a sort of add-on mini-conference at the end of our conference for our internet customers. So if you're interested in uh, net community or sphere training and workshops, um, please check that out. You have to register online for it, but it's no additional cost. And uh, our own Steve McLaughlin will be the keynote. So you get more Steve Mack that way. Well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guest, Jocelyn Harmon, Danielle Brigida, and Steve McLaughlin. You can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Chad Norman or by checking out my blog at blackbot.com slash webby things. If any of you have any feedback for us, please send us an email at thebodcast at blackbot.com. Until next time, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like a topic for a whole nother show. <laughs> Did I just say whole nother? I said that didn't. You sound pretty quiet. Talk in your normal voice. Talk in your big boy voice. Am I mean? Super mean. I have a teasing personality, so the more I get to know you, probably the more I tease you. And I know you pretty well now, so I'll be nice to you, Jocelyn. But you know, do three or more, sh- three or four more shows. I, it's all over. I kind of like the teasing more than the being nice to me. So yeah, I hear you. I'm more comfortable with it.